0: My name is Bruce Alexander, and I am from Pender Island, British Columbia, and in Canada. And I am, I've spent my whole career as a psychologist working on the topic of addiction, which I have come to think is not a kind of a disease that we can cure, but rather a kind of a manifestation of a very, very big kind of social malaise.
1: I wonder if you could just give us a sort of a, a synthesized version of the argument that underpins the book, The Globalization of Addiction.
0: Sure. Um, it, it's partly a negative argument because it starts from the fact that that we have a way of understanding addiction which has been um, promoted quite a bit. And, and it's a way that we think of addiction as a kind of a drug or alcohol problem, which is probably caused by the exposure of the human brain to drugs and alcohol which does some kind of a transformation to the brain and makes people unable to do anything other than than drink more or to, or take more of the drug and and i think that that turns out to be quite a destructive idea and and what i try to show in the the globalization of addiction is that we must understand Uh, addiction in a a more global sense not only in the sense that it that it goes everywhere in the world but also in the sense that it goes everywhere in the, the psychological world in other words addiction is not a problem of drugs and alcohol it's much much broader problem than that we have all these other things that we we get hooked to and and that many of these things that we get addicted to are at least as equally destructive as drug or alcohol addiction like for example gambling addiction people lose their houses or or sex and love addiction where people become murderous and 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 kill each other or commit suicide because of their you know the depths of these these kinds of addictive attachments so so yeah it is to say that we have we, we really have a big problem and it's a, it's a social problem, and we we have failed to recognize it because we've narrowed it way down to talk about drug and alcohol addiction. But if we expand it back, we realize that this is a very big problem, and, and we're, we're losing a lot of people. We're, for example, we're losing a lot of children to Internet addictions of various sorts, and we're losing a lot of grown-ups to money and sex and eating and all these the list goes on and on. These hundreds of addictions. Mm-hmm. If you add them all together, and people are doing this now, quantitatively, you add them all together. You find out that, that we're really facing a huge problem of addiction, and, and and we have to ask where does it come from, and and we can we can answer that question if we if we start looking at global history, we see that for for example, one of the facts that we see here in Western Canada is that. Uh, the people who used to live here, the, the native people, the Indians, um, didn't have addiction problems. I mean, they had all kinds of other problems. They had war and slavery and torture, and you know, they were not noble savages. But they didn't have addiction problems until they were confined on their little reserves, um, as we call them. And, and then all of a sudden they had, they had 100% addiction problems, and, and why is that? Um, and, and they, I think, provide us a, a, a really big clue as to why, why addiction comes about. Because if you take people who are living in an active community, it doesn't have to be a perfect community, but an active and vibrant community where, where all kinds of stuff happens and, and people have roles and expectations and identities and all that. You take them out of that and and and, and put them into a uh, essentially a prison camp, a refugee camp, which is a reserve. Um, well, d- then you know, then they 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 really got no lives that are that are worth having, and then and people with no lives can fill in that gap by by addictions. So, for example, in, in the case of the natives here. Uh, alcohol addiction of course was a biggie and well what does that mean that means that if you've got nothing you can you can at least go to the bar and you can you can sit with the guys and drink a lot of beer and and tell a lot of stories which are mostly untrue and no one's going to worry that they're untrue because you told them last night anyway and they heard it before anyway and and but you you've created a kind of a substitute for a life and and i think that that if we look at addiction that way, in that larger social way, and if we say, well, it isn't just Native people on the west coast of Canada who have those problems, it's people everywhere um, who are reporting the same thing, that that really they don't have much of a life that's worth living, and mm-hmm. then they, they get into these things and they get possessed, as it were, by alcohol or eating or sex or food, or, or all of the above, or, or the internet, or internet pornography, or gambling, or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, if you, if you look at it that way, then suddenly addiction becomes a problem that that has to be solved on a whole different level. It means that people like myself, that, um, psychologists and social workers, are not going to solve it by having people to our office and, and giving them a good talking to. We're, we're not going to do it that way. Rather, we're going to have to give them. We're going to have to try to find a world in which people's lives have genuine meaning and and purpose. And we can't do that by going back to the past. We're not going back to the Middle Ages, and and we're not going back to the tribal life of the the people here on the west coast of Canada, um, who can't have their land anymore because it's it's already dammed up and full of water or whatever uh we can't go back but we have to we have to try to build a new world and 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 in this sense the problem of addiction is simply part of the whole crisis of modernity you know we're facing a world a totally unprecedented world challenge a world of billions of people with a single civilization um, all in contact with each other. We have to build a civilization that works, and and the people who are, I think, leading the way, are people who are experimenting with with creating life forms that are that are wholesome and uh, and which can sustain people in a healthy way. Mm. Um, I think those kinds of experiments are going on everywhere and are and are tremendously important. Mm. Um, but there's more to it as well. I, I happen to be a big fan of of Pope Francis, mm. although I am not a Catholic and nor am I even a Christian or anything. Uh, but this Pope Francis is a, is a, the Pope is cool. The Pope <laughs> is talking about how can we, you know, really create a, an overarching spirituality. It doesn't have to be a Christian spirituality. He says, although he would prefer that it was, uh, it doesn't have to be a Christian, but it has to be a kind of an overarching sense of, of of a transcendent reality which will enable us to to rebuild the world and sort of in the, in the ruins of the old. And I don't mean the ruins in the sense that we have destroyed the, the old one physically yet, um, but we've destroyed it psychologically. Mm. It's psychologically in ruins, and, and we have to... Recreate a social, a psychological, and social environment which mm-hmm. is wholesome and in which addiction would cease to be so much of a problem, as would all the other aspects mm-hmm. of the Middle Eastern mm-hmm. modernity, like, like environmental problems and political inequalities and all these things. They, they, these all have to be addressed mm-hmm. at the same time. And in that sense, I want to be very, very global in talking about addiction. And that's why the book is called The Globalization of Addiction.
1: Okay. Um, I read something recently by Vygotsky, the Russian psychologist. Uh, And he said in there, um, uh, I shall argue that our contemporary Western and progressively more market-oriented and capitalist milieu especially but not only as it exists in the U.S., has tended to discourage the development of curiosity and imagination. Um, You you powerfully argue in the book that capitalism and dislocation are at the root of the addiction crisis. I wonder what impacts you think those things have had uh, on our collective imagination.
0: Well, I haven't thought very much about imagination until today, until uh, you, you raised the issue earlier. And now I am thinking about it. But what I know is from working with addicted people, which I, I do as a psychologist, of course, and have been for many decades, when you ask them to complain, you say, What's what's really wrong? And you give them a list. This is a psychological test, you give them a list of, of possible things which they can identify as being wrong. Boring is on the top of the list. They are bored. Um, and wh- why are they bored? Well, the imagination is, of course, the,
1: the yeah, antithesis
0: of, mm. of boredom. You know, they they really don't have much going for them. And so they cling to something as as pathetic as, as heroin or, or gambling or whatever it happens to be. Something as pathetic as that becomes the center of their life. Well, they're bored. They're, they're, they're totally... Out of imagination, um, and if they were, if they weren't out of imagination, of course they wouldn't. They, they would have much more of a life. So I, I, I think that now I'm, I'm, kind of making this up because you caught me by surprise with this question. <laughs> but I, I think when I look at my grandchildren, I think I can see imagination coming into existence, and I think it comes into existence. In a child who is safe and cared for and loved and has, knows who he belongs to, knows who his parents are, who his grandpa is, and everything else, and I think we 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 give children the the nest in which imagination hatches, and I think the the problem of the modern world is that that nest has been um, undermined or, you know, wrecked and, and that, that we have to give that nest to people. And, and, and I think, I'm hoping and I pray that my grandchildren will, will grow up with lots of imagination and, and, and won't even be mildly tempted by all the things which they might become addicted to because they have wonderful parents. Mm. And they have other helpers, including grandparents, who you know, who who are giving them this nest. But I, but all, all children are not that fortunate. I I think of the children of refugees. And I think how how horrible that must be for the parents, where they, you know, the child wants, oh, let's just sit down and look at the bugs in the the anthill, or whatever. The child wants something like that, and the parents have to say, come on, right now, we've got to we've got to get on the bus, or we're going to be left behind and. Mm how what torture that must be for the parents, because as parents, we, you know, we kind of know instinctively how to provide the, the matrix in which the nest in which in which imagination might hatch. But but we can't if we're refugees. And I, and I think there's a there's a way in which we're we're all sort of in that situation of not having the, the time and the resources to or, or the, the helpers. To, to give the, the children that mm. nest for imagination,
1: and you you mentioned before that that, that, that imagination was being wrecked. You use the word wrecked. I wonder what you see as being the things that are doing the wrecking. What are the the factors in modern life that have that kind of effect?
0: All oh, the factors in modern life that that wreck this this um, nest for imagination. Mm, yeah. Sure. Well, it depends whose modern life you're talking about. You know, uh, if you're talking about refugees, it's pretty clear, right? They just can't give people the, and there and there are millions of them. Or if you're talking about comfortable middle class people in in the UK, I I think it. Well, let me talk about comfortable middle class people in Canada because I, I can talk about that with, with a little bit of direct knowledge. I think what happens is that is that you know we all want to give uh, children what they need, and and yet we can't because you know, number one, you know, we see our our economic situation um, imperiled. We, we we see that that. We're not going to be as rich as our parents were um, because because you know we've, we've run out of resources and we see that that we don't have the kinds of neighborhood that that maybe our parents had when they grew up because we're we're constantly on the move from place to place to place, you know just keeping up with the eco- economic necessities and um, we see that, that our our governments, which which give us some kind of political transcendence over our everyday community life, our governments are going crazy. I mean, we we have a president of the United States yesterday who withdrew from the Paris um, accords on on the environment. I mean, this is insane. This is monstrous. And what does this do to our children who are? We want to grow up with a sense of identity and purpose and imagination and all that. Well, Of course, it has an effect on them. And and what about our communities, which, you know, in our let's say in our parents and our grandparents' times, were were more communities with an economic basis and a and a, and a kind of a security and a, a, a consistency and a, and a and a continuity to them. Well, they don't have it anymore because because they're you know everybody's torn by by jobs which disappear and and um loyalties to to international multinational corporations who who we better be pretty careful about being loyal to if we want to keep our job and all that stuff so i mean this is something which which is impossible to talk about in the short way because there's so much to it and then and there are, there are books and books and books and Movies and movies and movies and and everything written all about this, all about the 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 multiple forces which tear apart the traditional kind of life which we have evolved in and and what we do about that is all important mm. because it 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 leaves us in a position, for example, where addiction is a huge problem, but it leaves us with lots of other huge problems as well. Addiction is simply one manifestation of this much larger
1: problem i I, believe hmm. i saw it's interesting when you were saying about about how you know there's a there's a kind of there's a kind of a a way of living that, that 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 people instinctively sort of are drawn towards but then are blocked to getting there's there's a woman here called deborah francis white who does she she started, she's like an actor, a comedian, so she does a lot of improvisational stuff. And she does these shows with, like, big companies, at big conferences and stuff. She did, does this thing where she gives, everybody has a piece of paper, and they are, they are they have, like, 10 seconds to draw something. Like, I remember how she, she doesn't, lead, it's not lead at all. She says, I want you to just draw something. Whatever comes to mind, uh, just draw something. You've got 10 seconds, go. And then, and there's, like, uh-huh. about 1,500 people in this hall... And then all the pieces of paper get 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 passed to the front, and everybody has drawn a little house with a little roof and a window oh. and two two windows and a door and a little chimney and some smoke coming out Not and she goes and there's another house, another house and another house and another house here's a house, here's a house <laughs> it's like <laughs>
0: isn't that
1: amazing It's really extraordinary and I'm like, well, wow, that's really interesting that that seems like on some deep level that's 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 the thing you know. People don't say I want to be moving around all the time, and <laughs> I want my dad to be over here, and my mum over here, and you know. um, trauma. You know, one of the things that I w- that was really interesting for me in the book was, you know, you're, when you're looking at, you know, t- that we are a we are a very traumatised culture, uh, and then that that trauma gets very kind of internalised. I suppose I wondered if you could just talk a bit about, you know, what are the sources and but particularly, what are the impacts that, that 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 trauma has on people when we just sort of swallow trauma down?
0: Well, I don't I don't use the word trauma very much because it's really a medical term, and I and I, I don't like to medicalize. What, but it, but if I if I am to use it now, I will use it because you've you invited me to mm. put it in those terms. Um, yeah, yeah, we're we're. <clears throat> traumatized in in all kinds of ways from all kinds of directions and <clears throat> we we cope with it and and nobody you know hardly anybody lives what what we would think of as an ideal life or anything even close to an ideal life and, and so so we have to deal with it uh, let me tell you why I, I resist using the word trauma and even though lots of other people do, it's because if you say trauma in these days, in the current context, it invites people to think back about how they were raped as a child, or how they were beaten mercilessly for, for something or other, or to to you know particular moments of of catastrophic impact. Um, and and in my experience, from most people the the particular moments of catastrophic impact are not as important as the ongoing um, deprivation, the ongoing let's say wreckage of of community and and home life that 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 goes on consistently so so the word trauma tends to pinpoint it mm. in a way that that i I don't find it so useful to pinpoint and i'll I'll give you a personal example. Mm. Um, which is, I was raped as a child uh, by, you know, a group of older boys. Well, but, but my life was reasonably okay. And around that, and, and, uh, you know, I, I never told anybody and, and I don't think that these pinpoint traumas in, in, in most cases are really an adequate answer. I think. I think if we we're searching for an adequate answer, you know, why am I so screwed up? Well, we might we might turn it back to a pinpoint trauma. But I think much more likely it's the it's the day after day drip 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 of of mm-hmm. dislocation of fragmentation of society of, of of these kinds of things. At least that's the way I conceptualize it.
1: Um, I wondered if if you were elected to be the president of Canada and you and you had run on a platform of make America make Canada imaginative again so the, make Canada imaginative again, yeah so yeah. so the role of your brief was that you you wanted to just maximize the opportunities for young people and for people of all ages to be to To be given the permission to be really fired up, to be as imaginative as possible, so that when they look to the future, they have all of the kind of uh, inner resources and creativity to be able to go, ah, right. I wondered what might be some of the things that you might do in your first 100 days in office.
0: <laughs> well, uh, what, a, what a good question.
1: <laughs> I've asked it to everybody I've interviewed, and I've had some... I heard a, a, a whole v- a wide diversity of responses.
0: <laughs> Somebody asked me a question like that 30 years ago. And I remember it clearly because I, in those days I felt they knew the answer. And, I, and I, I, I said, well, my first answer is to take your television set over to the, over to the dump <laughs> and then just put a big rock right through its, its, its big eye. Um, But you can't do that these days because we have screens everywhere on every part of our body. There are little screens staring at you. You you, you can't you can't get rid of the uh, of the input of a of a homogenizing, globalizing, um, stupidizing system that that we live in. So so we can't do that. I think, I think what, I, what I do and what I do with my own children and my grandchildren is to try to you know, make them feel safe and comfortable and protected and, and loved and all of that, and then just to give them opportunities to, to let their little minds go. And they, and they, they go. They're, they're, they dazzle me. I have a two-and-a-half-year-old grandson now who absolutely dazzles me I, we go on long walks and and his game is to is to take his little ball his little tiny red ball this actually a, a marble it's a glass ball and he flings it into the woods as far as he can well of course he's only two and a half he can, he can only throw <laughs> about three meters that's his <laughs> that's his range and then we go find it we hunt and hunt and hunt until we find it. And then he flings it again, and and we hunt it. Now that's his game. Uh, but but I think I think, you know, this is grandparents have the time to do this. Parents don't have the time to do that usually, but grandparents do. And 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 so so, what can we do for these children? We make them feel comfortable and and secure, and then let let, let their little minds go because they're. They don't. We don't need to give them any stimulation, you know. They, 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 they got it all in there, and they'll, they'll, they'll make the. Their imaginations are just bursting to come out. That's mm. that's how I understand it.
1: Mm. And in terms of sort of society more widely, do you think something like the idea of a universal basic income, uh, which is an idea that's being increasingly proposed around the world, would be something that would take away a lot of those factors that you're talking about in terms of uncertainty and stress and, uh, um, and exhaustion that, that currently seem to sort of, uh, be one of the factors eroding, uh, imagination. Do you think something like universal basic income would help to overcome the things you're talking about? Sure. It
0: would help, but it, but it would, it's nothing like adequate. Um, for example, I, I remember the, the 1950s and 1960s, in which in Canada we had universal income in the sense that anybody who didn't have any money could just go down to the welfare office and they'd be given what they need and and you know not enough but but enough to get by. So, but it's not enough. You know, it's not. It, it's it's a very good thing and and the obscene income inequality that we that we live with is absolutely destructive. It's horrible. So of course we need something of this of the nature of universal income, but that's not all people need. You know, they don't just need to be able to to you know, buy a hamburger and a Coke and then then they're fine again. Um, they, they, they they need a lot more than that. I think I think you have described some things to me that the transition group is doing and those those things seem to be a, another level up it's not like a universal basic income it's like a you know a, a, an attempt to to find community where it among the people who are right around here and and to and to build that into a, a functioning economic system that i think is is one level up from a universal mm. basic income but i don't think that's enough either I I think that you know people need more than that. They they not only need a, a community. They not only need a hamburger and a coke, and a community that's that's around them that that they can work with and provide for their their needs. They need a, a kind of a transcendence. They need a, a sense of of what's real and true and 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 valuable, and what what can I respect and love and admire. Uh, that religion used to provide and religion isn't providing it very well now. But I think there are new kinds of transcendent ideas. For example, the idea of, of Gaia or the idea of the, the Green Movement. Uh, the idea of the earth itself is a precious resource that, that we can love and, and, and protect uh, as if it were because it is. You know, our mom. <laughs> um uh people needed all of that. And then I think imagination takes care of itself. Mm. I don't think imagination is something that, that we have to instill or 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 anything. I think it I think it just comes out and it comes out at the level where we need it to come out. I think people who are let's say, you know, really have a, a, a decent life and it's all put together and they have, you know, the hamburger and the Coke and they have a good community and they have a some kind of transcendent reality. I think those people's imagination expresses itself creatively, you know, with their children or with their, with their, the people they deal with. And I think other people who are, um, uh, well, when those people face, extraordinary situations then their imagination gets creative in a whole different way and they start inventing things that will that will save them from the the flood or save them from the the uh epidemic or or whatever i, th- I think imagination comes where it's needed and and so i i i think of it uh, the way i would see the world is that the primary problem is is creating a basis for for well-being and that that we would think of imagination as something which is it's all there. It's 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 going to come. It doesn't require any special intervention.
1: So it's not so much about creating the ideal or somehow nurturing imagination. It's more about getting rid of the factors that that yeah. block it. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. And are we going to get rid of the internet? No. Too bad. Uh, are we going to get rid of the television? No. Too bad. Uh, we're not going to get rid of of these these standardizing, stupidizing kinds of, of screens that are all around us. I don't think we can do that. But we can certainly exercise control over them. For example, I've been reading about the, the kinds of control which are uh, exercised over children's commercials in, hmm. um, in some countries. And thinking, yeah, we could do that. I mean, it's, it's laborious and it's and it's 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 a major it's a major undertaking but it's it's well worth doing you know we yeah. we needn't subject our children to such god awful shit that, that they see on their screens we don't have they don't that doesn't have to be there we can get rid of the worst of it but i think we do have to you know face the fact that we are we are networked and, and I, I don't think that there's any alternative to being networked i think we have to learn to use it better mm-hmm and you know so the social media well we can exercise some kinds of control over it but i don't think we can make it go away mm. and i think we have to and there's bring a, out what's good in it and so forth
1: there's a number of cities now that have banned advertising in public spaces as well which feels i'm sorry like, would you speak a little louder i said there's a number of cities oh sorry there's a number of cities now who about ba- who have banned advertising in public spaces as well which feels like oh, it would really? really help yeah i didn't even know that Yeah, I think Rio de Janeiro, I think. And uh, I read this brilliant book that was uh, there was like um, a crowdfunding thing to fund it being published, which I supported just because I loved the title. It was called uh, Advertising Shits in Your Head. And I thought, really, (laughs) the world the world needs a book called Advertising Shits in Your Head. So I funded the thing and it had some really interesting examples of places around the world where they were doing that. Paris, I think, have done it to a degree. Uh, yeah, and there are some places who have done it more than that.
0: Well, how wonderful! I know. See, that's the thing. All kinds of good stuff is going on, and and we don't even know it.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: I I I think it's really important that 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 these these things be publicized more than they are. But yeah, yeah. That's a great
1: one. I thought it was really yeah. interesting when when I got to the end of the book and you were talking about social action and what we can do about it that actually two of the things that you were citing as ways of of, of tackling dislocation and um, an addiction were, were two of the directions that I'm moving in as well around imagination, around reviving community art, and uh, what do you call it, cultural, uh, my handwriting's too terrible, uh, like different people coming together, I can't remember what you call it, like, oh, I'll find the word here. Uh, reviving community art and community cultural fusion that was it got my writing so bad. cultural oh, fusion yeah. and uh you know which which really kind of resonates with with a lot of the stuff that we do there's some amazing uh transition projects where they use community art to put on amazing street festivals and uh big sort of uh processes that lots of people come and get involved in like learning to play again adults coming together and playing but coming up with stuff that's really really useful um yeah i was so i was kind of struck with 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 with, with how those two things are converging
0: well and 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 cultural fusion i think uh is goes a step beyond that perhaps in that like I, I happen to live in an a electoral riding, which is which is the most economically diverse in the whole country of Canada. In other words, we we're a, we have people from absolutely everybody uh, where I live. Well, sorry, where I used to live in East Vancouver. I now live on Pender Island, but where I used to live in East Vancouver was incredible economic diversion, uh, economic diversity, and and the way. These things would work together the way you know the way people could, could meld elements from this culture and that that culture together is is just is just fantastic. Um, for example, and and one of one of the examples which sticks in my mind is a is a um, karate group for for Native Indians. So here's here's Native Indians who, of course, have their own cultural background. And here they're being taught to to shout and and sing slogans out in Korean as as they learn to do karate and they love it. You know, it 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 just it just works brilliantly. And I I think that, that one of the perhaps one of the great disadvantages of globalization is that local local cultures are break down. But one of the advantages is that in the in all the pieces of all the local cultures are the building blocks for something new. And I and I, I love to think of my own city of Vancouver where I used to live. Uh, I I love to think of that city as 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 being a, a cultural fusion that will, if we look say five hundred years from now, um, not only will the races have fused and will all be kind of honey colored, but also the cultures will have fused and, and we'll have these this this funny kind of language, which will have all kinds of, of words in it. We have this. We already have this amazing cuisine, which has all kinds of mm. flavors in it, and and we'll have this this incredible literature, which which is now coming again coming together already. Literature which which incorporates uh, exotic traditions, traditions which are exotic to each other, and you know together, and and I think that. The pot- that's we have that potential. And the new world, of course, will not be like the old world, and it will be worse than the old world in some ways. But it will be better than the old world
1: mm. in
0: some ways in terms of creativity and imagination, because we because we have all that all that diversity to take advantage of.
1: Mm. I'm, so the, in a way,
0: that's that's, a, that's, a, that's a, that is an answer to the imagination question because mm. that's something something new.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, the last the last thing I wanted to ask you was just to go back to something you said earlier on about how your sense was that people who who ended up in addiction uh, struggled with it was kind of a manifestation of a lack of imagination. Um, Do you think that, you know, sometimes could it be also because some of the people who I've known who who have. Had addiction were when I knew them. A few years earlier, were really imaginative and were very, you know, one of the things that initially attracted them into the world of of drugs was that it was. They thought it would make them more creative. They thought it would make them more. uh, They make their, you know, it would mean they could see the world in in different ways. And there's that kind of element of curiosity and risk. Uh, that often draws people in do you think it might also be a thing where where their imagination where the world around them isn't as imaginative as as they are where somehow they 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 i don't know what i'm trying to say do you know what i mean it's it's like they 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 are off like often people who are who i knew who are, ended up having issues with drugs were people who were very who were who were drawn to the more kind of uh creative kind of world uh they were maybe more artistic um might it be that sometimes it's it's a case that that they are imaginative but the world doesn't they can't find a place in the world because i don't know if i'm making any sense like that that the that they come very imaginative and then the world doesn't want it and that that's maybe where that sort of comes from? Or, do you th- or is your experience that actually people who get to that position, actually they just their imaginations just aren't very strong?
0: I've had both experiences. If, if we're talking specifically about drugs, um, because I lived through the, the 1960s in, in Canada, I've certainly had the experience of imaginative, imaginative people using drugs to become more imaginative, and and um, you know, getting into trouble because they got you know a little too reckless in their imagination, and other people wouldn't stand for it. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. Um. And. Yeah, and I've seen it with my own children. My my children. One of my children used to take me to rock concerts, and and everybody was stoned, and you know just. <laughs> going crazy and 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 um so i've seen that on the other hand well i've done a lot of work with with uh, heroin addicts and and the the typical story there if i could sort of make a, a composite hmm. the typical story there is a, is a child who's who's pretty bright and they think they're their parents think they're pretty bright and then they get to school and other people don't like them very much and and um they really don't maybe they're not quite as bright as their parents thought they were and then you know they find the group that will accept them which is the junior junkies and the and and the junior junkies take take drugs like heroin which don't increase the imagination at Mm -hmm. all you know but, but which just sort of give you make you soporific and and uh And lethargic and stuff, and which really they're really more escape drugs than they are imagination drugs. So I think I've seen both both sides of that, and I and I think that the 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 heroin addicted side, which is what I've seen more professionally, the other I've seen more in my own life. But the heroin addicted people, you know, it seems to me are are for the most part not. Super imaginative people, but but really people who need to escape away from it and mm. I'm not trying to paint everyone with the same brush no I'm no no saying this is mostly what I've seen, but that, but then I've seen people getting into you know LSD and these kinds of drugs where imagination is just part of the game and they' and then they sometimes get into trouble with those drugs
1: yeah yeah and I, and, and, uh, and it feels like the like, every decade there's different drugs that sort of come to the fore and uh, you know like in the 60s and 70s you maybe part of that thing i mentioned at the beginning about the since 1990 and the imagination the iq and that research is that maybe the drugs from the 80s and 90s onwards have been you know in 60s and 70s maybe the drugs were people were more looking at that sort of mind expanding things whereas now things like crystal meth and ketamine and uh, uh, and crack, I guess, you know, they're all drugs that are very like imagination suppressing. They don't have a particular sort of uh, fant- fantastic element to them.
0: Well, yes, yes, and no. But I mean, the thing is, all those drugs have been around the whole time, except for ketamine. I don't, I don't have any direct experience with ketamine, so I don't know. Mm. But like cocaine has been a major, where I live, cocaine has been major, a major drug, um, for a century. And, and of course, crack is just cocaine. Yeah. Um, uh, cooked up differently and heroin has been a major drug for a century. And then in the sixties, you know, we got to psychedelics, but of course we had had marijuana had been a major drug since 1936, roughly. Um, And, and so, so I think all of these have been around at various times, just that we worry about different ones at different times. (laughs) So so we keep having, like we keep having panics and, and our our current panic here, I don't know what it is where you are, but our, or if you even have one where you are, but our current panic here is um, uh, fentanyl, which is an opioid and we, we, we claim it's imported from China and all this stuff and, but it's it's basically a, a a heroin type type drug okay but prior to that our, our panic was was uh oh the, the other one that you mentioned uh crystal uh, meth not not crack cocaine but the one that came after that was meth methamphetamine, yeah. Right. and then we had that and then so we've we've gone through a series of panics but the, but the recurrent panic is is the opioids That's the one which keeps coming back and back and back to us yeah and 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 that's the one which I, I sort of have framed my my thinking around for better or for worse and maybe I've overdone it but you know because that is a drug which is really a, a downer. I mean it's that's all it does is it, it takes you down and I suppose, You know there are ways to take it so that you hallucinate a little bit, but most people don't take them that way. They just they just take it right in the in the vein, and 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 they just they're kind of gone. You know, Mm, they're kind of not fully there. Mm. Um, So I think we have to understand heavy drug use. You know, the kind of heroin heavy drug use, which which is our recurrent problem here, are are steady and recurrently. uh excitement level problem here um i think we have to understand that as a drug which really doesn't enhance the imagination but but rather dulls the pain mm, mm. not to say that there aren't other kinds of ways of, of involving oneself with other with other drugs
1: mm, mm. thank you thank you so much for your time i really appreciate yeah, thank it you
0: Mark is that the interview done?
1: Yeah. Yeah, unless okay. you have any, unless you have any last thoughts on on imagination that that I should hear.
0: No, I I'm I'm interested that imagination is the is is the central topic because I I want to say well of course imagination is depressed, but I want to say that it's not just imagination. It's also loneliness and it's also mm humiliation and it's also um, confusion, bewilderment and uh, so uh, so I wouldn't myself focus so directly on imagination even though I you know readily you, you've really made me think of it in a way I haven't before I'm mm-hmm. sure yeah. I, you're absolutely right that it's got to be a central part of the, the problem It's just I wouldn't put my entire focus on it myself.